All right, Quack 12 fans. Well, you know, there's been a lot of bowl games on TV. I'm sure you're coming back from the holidays, or, or maybe you stayed home for the holidays on this one. Who knows? But uh, we've been watching a lot of bowl games, and, and oh boy, the Oregon-Oklahoma battle in the Alamo Bowl is coming up. It's been a strange one, obviously. Uh, a, a lot of uh, great players are transferring before they're going to play this one. Don't really blame them somewhat, you know. Uh, both these teams somewhat looking kind of similar in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, they both have an O and a U, different order, but pretty similar than that. Uh, both of them got 10 wins. Both of them had a lot of uh, hype throughout the season, and then it kind of died down a bit. Then it went up, and then it went down again. Uh, just high expectations for both of these squads. And then, of course, they're dashed by not making the playoffs. But uh, and two interim head coaches, two heading off in this one. And uh, to really break down what could be at least an interesting game in, in 2021, uh, we had to get someone who was very familiar with the Sooners squad. And so we got Chris Plank of the Plank Show. That is at Plank Show on Twitter. Uh, I mean, you, you already know this guy if you're a Sooners fan. Uh, Duck fans, if you're if you need to dive into this team before you see what could be a bad day for the Ducks uh, in the Alamo Bowl, honestly, um, then look no further than Chris Plank. How you doing there, Chris? Adam, I'm good, man. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you guys are uh, committed. I will say that much for the uh, <laughs> for the times that we're taping in your time zone. Let's go, That's baby! Right. I appreciate I appreciate you having me on, man. I love I love everything about this matchup. You know, I have a Duck Nation has a very firm grasp on my heart because mm. you know Melissa Lombardi uh, left OU to be the softball coach there. That's right. She, yeah, uh, she's done a fantastic job, and I've been friends with her and John and her son for ages and now you got my I've worked a lot with your guy Jeff Schwartz over the last few years mm. so when uh, when I'm watching Pac-12 I'm always watching uh I'm always watching Oregon to see how things are going with the Ducks and I've been on the campus it's just a cool campus in a cool town so I'm pumped for the matchup man I think it's going to be a, a an interesting you you laid it all out perfectly it's going to be a very interesting uh, what Tuesday, Wednesday next week? <laughs> Absolutely, like the motivations are gonna be. I truly have no idea who really wants it here, you know. And, and same, I'll tell you, a lot of people were hoping, like Mike Bellotti, if we were, if we could have gotten him, you know, as a just a one-off <laughs> coach here. Oh, why not? Well, you know? and and the, the crazy thing about this is, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys that has, you know, I've been the OU sideline reporter for. Gosh, we're going on our 10th, 11th season now. Mm. And this has been, I, I think you guys have probably experienced it just like we have, but it's been a, it's been an off season, which isn't even the off season yet. Unlike anything you've ever experienced. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, this even includes when COVID first hit and not to try to compare anything in football to the dangers of a, of a, of an illness, but what that, how that affected the sports world. It was pretty wild, right? To figure out, are we playing? Are we not mm -hmm. playing? This has been as crazy, you know, to figure out, wait, what just happened? Did the coach really just leave? Yeah. Oh wait, Bob Stoops is coming to save the day. So it's been, um, it's been a pretty wild, you know, uh, two weeks now, three weeks span since the end of the season. Yeah, I'd say. And I, uh, and I mean, <laughs> especially coming off last season really right. adds to the chaos of this season. 
And, uh, and I mean, it is nice that both these fan bases, we know what you're going through. You know what right. I mean? I, I mean, except for the fact that like Riley had some, uh, very proven success there. We hadn't quite made the playoffs with Cristobal and the, the little blessing there, as you can imagine, was losing to Utah almost in the exact same fashion did make it uh, that Band-Aid a little easier to rip off. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and, and I think that's that's a great way to look at it. You have two teams that are going through this whose fan base have basically experienced a very similar season and offseason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your coach had always said all the right things. Then all of a sudden, you know, one day he's gone. And you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? You know, is it, are you really gone? You, you had playoff aspirations. Hell, Oklahoma, Oklahoma guys was 9-0 and and people were still bitching and moaning about it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. they, they, they lose a game against Baylor, come back, they're 10-1 and going into their last game, and they dominated the third quarter and were heading into the fourth quarter with a chance to still play in the Big 12 championship game. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's what's interesting and amazing about this is it's probably not going to get the hype of other bowl matchups and understandably so, but it is two teams who have experienced very similar paths, not just maybe even in the season, but especially once the season came to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I mean, all these crazy expectations, I mean, mean, even on on the PAC 12, we knew about the QB situation in Oklahoma. You know, and and that's right. and that felt a, really tough for Spencer Rattler, I'm sure. Just like Anthony Brown had to go through the ringer here, even though it's like he just delivered you possibly the greatest win in regular season Oregon football history, you know, well, in the horseshoe. Now, now that you bring that up with Anthony Brown, it's even more similarities, right? Um, mm-hmm. The only difference was, and at least from what I've seen, guys, you might correct me, I don't think Anthony Brown ever found himself sitting on the bench in place of a freshman who then took over, right? Yeah, no. So yeah. Um, it, this was, gosh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't want to filibuster or anything, but it really became, it really became find as many ways to find as many problems as you possibly can with Spencer Rattler. After the well, I, I shouldn't even say after through a majority of the season, right? Because he didn't come out and he didn't throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, and they didn't beat Tulane by 50. <laughs> um, and then when they, you know, when they beat a Western Michigan team or Western Carolina, excuse me, it was well, they're not very good anyway, which is fair, um, <laughs> right? But yeah. then you know, they wasn't necessarily a standout, even though his completion percentage was 70% through the first five games and he wasn't turning the ball over. But it's just something was not connected there, right? Everyone, everyone expected Baker and they expected Kyler and they expected a Heisman Trophy candidate. And unfortunately for Spencer Rattler, it never really panned out. Now, you know, we can get into the where he is now. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to work out very well for him, but it's also kind of fascinating because Oklahoma went from, you know, thinking they had their quarterback position sewed up for the next, you know, four, three years at least with, with Caleb Williams. And now we're sitting here hoping, well, let's, let's hope he sticks around after this game. Let's hope that he decides that he wants to be a sooner for the next couple of years and lead Brent Venable's offense. It's, it's, and Jeff Levy, I guess in that case, it's fascinating. It's (laughs) fascinating to think of where we are right now, as opposed to where Oklahoma specifically was, you know, heading into its bowl game and then into last year's offseason. And it's yeah, it's not even 365 days yet, and it's a whole new world. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, those expectations at QB at Oklahoma. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's impossible. Not, not only not only do you have to be great, right? Yeah. You have to be Heisman Trophy winning, number one <laughs> pick overall in the draft. Great, and if you're not, you're unacceptable. Now. I've got to be very clear because I'm mm-hmm. not trying to paint the fan base in a bad light because, I mean, I love them to death. But, you know, it's that, that that's it's not a bad thing, right, to say, no. hey, you have high expectations when you come here. Did things get a little bit out of control with Spencer and some of the booing and kind of the – just the different stories that would come out? Yeah, yeah, I got a little carried away. But that's the bar. And that bar is not going to change when Lincoln Riley leaves because – you know, people have already decided that Jeff Levy is going to be a guy that can elevate everyone offensively on this roster, too. So, you know, this is – it's a credit to Lincoln, right, and the job that he – you know, Coach Stoops was there when Baker came in and was part of bringing in Kyler Murray. Uh, but Lincoln Riley developed him, right? And mm-hmm. then the Jalen Hurts saga and how that played out in a good way for Oklahoma. So, yeah, it's it's a high expectation. It's a good expectation. Is it unfair at times? Absolutely it is <laughs> because, I mean, I I mean, obviously you guys charted every play from the year. You mm-hmm. go back and you think about some of those early season performances by Spencer Rattler. Not great, but then again, you're winning games and they're having to do it in a different way because the receivers weren't as good as we thought they were going to be. And they had some injuries at the receiver position. But by God, it doesn't matter, Spencer Rattler. You're supposed to be the top pick in the draft going into this season. You're <laughs> supposed to be a Heisman Trophy winner. You have got to make sure that it doesn't it, – it, it, it's, it's not an issue with who's catching the ball or how bad our run game is. Well, and you're also talking to, uh, you know, a fan base that has also booed their starting quarterback this oh, season. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been, we, we've, we've all been there, I guess we can yeah. say now, right? Adam? It's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and speaking of unfair, I mean, we have to bring up, uh, uh, who's to say unfair, but we're looking at the history of Oklahoma and Oregon football. Well, you got six wins in a row for Oklahoma, 58, 66, 72, 75, 2004, all those games in Norman. Then in 2005, they played in the Holiday Bowl. We lost 17 to 14. And then in 2006, there's a little bit of a controversial ending in this one, I do believe. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, (laughs) right? I'd like to say, um, like, because obviously we're going to see a whole lot of clips from probably this 2006 game uh, in the Alamo Bowl. Um, I imagine, is there a certain age where Oklahoma fans will still be pissed about this game, and then below that age, they're like, ah, Oregon, who, the Nike school? Or, or, right, or is right. It, the, the or is it that truly, wears all the uniforms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or is it truly every Oklahoma fan has a little bit that born into them that this game was uh, BS? It's kind of wild to me how that still kind of permeates through the Sooner Nation, and I don't mean <laughs> it in a bad way. Um, outside of obviously the call and the frustration of losing the game, but it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy how everyone can almost relive every second of that. 
I mean, it's, I'm not even kidding. You go, and especially you ask someone, you know, I'm in my 40s. You ask someone around my age who at that point, you know, when that happened was early 30s, late 20s, you know, they're like, oh, my gosh, they had the onside kick. Alan Patrick walks out. He hands the ball to the official. They still point Oregon's ball. They go to the replay booth where, and they know the guy's name, where, <laughs> you know, he doesn't even get it right. He doesn't even see that there wasn't a clear recovery or, you know, our guy's handing the ball to the official. It's just, it's it's wild. And then, you know, you think about what, What's still crazy about that is Dennis Dixon had to make some plays, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they yeah. end up they end up with one of the most amazing offensive days I think we've seen against Oklahoma in the second half of that game. So, yeah, you you ask just about any Sooner fan that's my age, and they remember it like it was yesterday. And it's kind of it's kind of wild because you know Oklahoma. I think you guys it was either the year before when you came to Norman was when Adrian Peterson went crazy, right? He, mm-hmm. uh, it was, he, he had just kind of burst onto the scene and, and I remember talking to a couple of Jeff Schwartz about it and just how much of a man he was in that game. But you, you ask just about any Oklahoma fan. They don't even remember that performance by Adrian Peterson <laughs> when it comes to Oregon. They don't remember, you know, Clint Ingram's interception and what was it? The holiday bowl, uh, oh, they they remember the fact that the replay booth botched that. And I don't know if the replay official actually ended up officiating again after that game. <laughs> I, I really, now, again, like I said, like I said, it's also one of those plays back in 06 where there's wives' tales that have started because <laughs> of it and, and, and everything that kind of went through it. But yeah. Um, uh, oh, and I looked it up. It looks like it is that. Uh, so actually, in 2005 game, Adrian Peterson had, you know, about 80 yards or something. Yeah. But yeah. 2006, so this makes it even worse it in crazy. the loss, 211 yards. I mean, you got yeah. a touchdown here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's funny because, and I'll tell you what, you know, Bob Stoops. Is, is a great coach, and I have thoroughly enjoyed every single uh, moment that I've had to to get to know him and cover him. But he even said this week, he's like, listen, no one here in this game, none of these players, none of these coaches are like, we must avenge 06. You know, it's like, <laughs> you, if you look every so often on my Twitter mentions, it was like, hey, what's the excitement for this game on Wednesday? There might be like one or two guys that say, revenge. And then you're like, yeah. what are you doing, revenge? It was 15 years ago. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny to me how there are, you know, to be honest, there is a very, very small faction who's like that, but. You know, even Bob Stoops says, listen, that's that was a long time ago. That was you know, that was a really good Oklahoma football team. You know, they went on, they that was the Boise State year and the Fiesta Bowl. Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson got hurt later in that season. Um, that was a they won the Big Twelve Championship. You know, they beat Nebraska in the Big Twelve Championship game that year. But you ask um you ask ninety Five percent of Sooner fans who were diehards back then, they don't even care about the the Fiesta Bowl. They still go back and they'll say we shouldn't have been there because <laughs> of the play against Oregon and the onside kick. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned it because it's it is interesting how many how I say faction of fans, but how there's a group that's just they're still mad about it and they're not going <laughs> to let it go. But for the most part, everyone's like, yeah, well, it's time to move on. Yeah, well, Dyer was down. You know, we know exactly how that was. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and there should be less uh, a ref, you know, craziness in this because the Pac-12 refs ain't nowhere around this. So we, we ought well, to be good. 
I do believe That's, so. And keep the Big 12 refs away too, right? Don't we keep it? Is it like ACC, a it's, it appears. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, okay. <laughs> I, I can't say I've watched enough ACC games this year to know if their officials stink or not, but that makes me feel a little bit better for uh, for, for the 29th. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, um, should Duck fans feel better after this conversation? We don't know, but we've got a, a, a Duck, <laughs> a, a knowledgeable person here. Someone you know very close here on the Quack 12 Podcast. Fans uh, does all his writing over at Addicted to Quack. You got to check out the uh, articles entitled Duck Tape, in which he's actually breaking down uh, the film for Oregon's next opponent, and then he'll break down the game after we watch it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Hithla Day one of Addicted to Quack. Hithla Day, you've been watching some some Sooners film, I understand. Uh, yeah, uh, all 12 games. Um, you know, what's interesting is I've been doing this for a long time. I don't think I've ever been in this situation where it feels like getting into a time machine. You know, I'm going to be asking you, Chris, about like, <laughs> what is Lincoln Riley's offense like? And Lincoln <laughs> Riley's not going to be there. You know, like what's Alex Grinch's defense like? He's not going to be there, you know? Um, I guess but you know, my... I, I will say this, though, real quick, not, not to catch off Hathaday, but he is, they are still running Lincoln's offense. They are still running Alex Grinch's defense. So you're heading down the right. We don't have to go through too big of a time machine because that is what you're going to see when these two teams play this week. I mean, that that is my first question is like, did I just waste a bunch of time, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> and I think the, and, and well, it's entirely possible that I will because who knows how this game goes. You know, I honestly think that the, uh, you know, non-football factors are probably going to play a huge role in this game. Like who shows up with motivation, like who, you know, which coaching staff is actually intact, you know, uh, you know, crazy stuff on the, you know, which players are going to be there. Uh, you know, who, who knows, but we can still set like a, our baseline expectations for, you know, what these teams should have been if this were a regular game. And then we can, you know, isolate what the crazy stuff right. was. Um and I sort of get the feeling that you're right, that, you know, that that uh, for Oklahoma, that that even though Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch aren't going to be there, that we're going we're not going to see real structural differences at all for the offense and the defense, um, because I, I think they're we're basically looking at fairly similar staffs like the. You know, it seems like Oklahoma just, you know, for an interim basis, promoted, you know, their assistants and analysts into the departures. Uh, and I haven't seen any reporting on plans to, you know, make fundamental changes. Do I have that right? You're right. You're 100 percent right. So um, basically what they've done and it's it's great that you caught this because Bob Stoops just brought it up. The goal is for this new staff to have a clean slate. Right. You come in, bowl game's done, and, and they're going to have a new strength and conditioning coach. And actually, that might be the one guy who's already kind of started um, with the staff and Jerry Schmidt, who's working with the guys. But so Kale Gundy has been the long time. He's been the longest tenured assistant at Oklahoma. He was the inside receivers coach under Lincoln Riley's offense. He's going to be the offensive coordinator, and he's going to call the plays on uh, the 29th. I keep saying I can Wednesday of this week. I, I don't know why it doesn't factor to me that the bowl game is on Wednesday, but here we are. Um, so on Wednesday, Kale's going to call the plays. He'll have a uh, co-offensive coordinator, Bill Beanbow, who is with the staff, Joe John Finley, who is with the staff, and you know DeMarco Murray, who is with the staff. The offensive staff, guys, is the exact same. The only person gone from the offensive staff was Lincoln Riley. Now, 
a pretty big deal of it, but every offensive assistant is still here and is going to be part of the next regime's coaching staff, which is great news based on the recruiting they've job. But they'll be the guys in charge of the offense, and it's going to be a very collaborative effort by Kale Gundy to call the offense. They don't want to confuse things, so the terminology is going to be the same that they were using with Coach Riley, and Caleb Williams is going to be the quarterback. Defensively, get this, they've got three guys who have moved on to USC. Well, two of two of the three to USC, one has taken a job at SMU. So they're coming back for the bowl game. So Brian Odom, mm-hmm. linebackers coach, Oklahoma alum, uh, he's coming back to call the defense. He'll be the defensive coordinator and call the plays. Uh, he's going to be helped out by Jamar Kane, who's going to coach the edge guys, and then they'll slide in. And maybe this is two in the weeds, but Calvin Thibodeau on the defensive line coach who's going to help out. And you brought it up. Some grad assistants will be elevated, guys like Ty Darlington, who played here. Um, he'll be helping out with the quarterbacks because he's been in Lincoln's quarterback room for the better part of the last you know, five years. And they'll, they'll, they'll fill a few guys here. Chip Viney, who has been on the recruiting staff, he's going to help out. Will Johnson, who's been on the coaching staff as a grad assistant, is going to coach defensive back. So they've got a plan, um, and it's not going to be different than what you've seen this season. So you have not wasted any time at all in watching <laughs> the game. It's just it's going to be called, I think, a little bit different. Uh, one more question while we're on the offense, but, you know, before we're starting to get to personnel uh, in terms of uh, how personnel winds up getting used, um, you know, I, I, I guess my question is, how much d- did Riley have, you know, input on, you, you know, what personnel groups they were using, by which I mean, you know, they played a lot of the season in you know 12 personnel uh or or 11 with you know a slot receiver in drake stoops we'll we'll get we'll get to the wide receivers when we get to the wide receivers but like i think if i had a if i had a criticism for this offense it's that they should have been four wide on every snap like (laughs) if if i had this wide receiver core i know you you mentioned sort of some criticism for but i thought you know the four the top four dudes were all studs, right? Fantastic, Jaden Hazelwood. Right? If yeah. I had, if I had Jaden Hazelwood, Marvin Mims, Mario Williams, and Michael Woods, I would be playing those four dudes four wide every snap. Right. Um, and instead, you know, it, it was at most two of those guys on the field in any given snap. And they usually had, you know, a tight end Willis, and they usually had a slight receiver and Stoops. And just like you run out the numbers when they're playing four wide versus when they're an eleven or twelve, and like it, there's, I, I mean there's just no comparison like wider you know this was sort of a you know the fascinating thing about lincoln riley's offense is that it's an air raid passing tree married to a power run scheme which like mike leach never did um right. you know uh I, you know i guess my I, I don't get like too shakespearean about this but like i i got the sense that lincoln riley was very deliberately trying to say i'm not i'm not mike leach um and that, you know, my offense is different. It has a run game and we're going to use a tight end and we're not just going to do four wide and, you know, sling the ball around. And I wonder how much Lincoln Riley, you know, that was about Lincoln Riley. And now that he's gone, you know, whether or not the replacement staff is going to be like, you know, four wide is a better approach. Let's just do that. Am I making sense to you? You know what my question is? No, 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 it makes sense. And here's what's funny is I would say that some feel that Lincoln wouldn't commit to the run enough. And you hit it on the head. A lot of people say air raid, right? But it's not. It's it's based in the run. And oh it's absolutely the, a run first offense. Yeah, like absolutely. The, that that's not my question at all. It's right. Uh, it, it's 
because I think the run game is great, and I I hope it doesn't. You know, if I were an Oklahoma <laughs> fan, I would hope that it wouldn't change at all. I would hope that right. they wouldn't. You know, change and that's anything what Bill, about what Bill it. Bilbo staying around that that helps out a lot. But when it comes to the pass game, I mean, that's what's fascinating about Lincoln Riley's offense is that it, it's like he's got two different offenses on the field, sure. whether it's a run or a pass. And on the passing plays, it's definitely it's an air raid passing concept it, sure. it's definitely the air raid passing tree i definitely recognize it from watching wazoo games for the last 10 years whatever it is mike leach was there um except it was uh an air raid with you know tight ends and, and inside receivers who's, who's yeah right um and and it wasn't like the full-on mike leach like what's a tight end you know <laughs> kind of you know air raid passing tree and like i said you know breaking down the numbers like it should have been you know like the their numbers when they're playing a tight end or you you know or when they're throwing the ball to, to drake stoops you know with him in the pattern is like they're way worse than when they straight up go four wide and put four wide receivers sure. on the field uh <laughs> I just I would say too I would be curious to get your take then on how you think the offensive line performed because I thought this year they were more successful to your question um when they did spread it out because their offensive line was just better at pass blocking yes you know much they, better they, they they weren't a very good run blocking line consistently in what they tried to do now they adjusted and they ran some split zone and they did some different things as the season progressed but there was one and 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 maybe by talking to you if I mean I think we can get in the weeds in this so to me the biggest thing that prevented Oklahoma from doing everything that they would want to do offensively this year. It wasn't Spencer Rattler. It wasn't what some fans would say is, oh, the receivers aren't making plays, which obviously you see it. I saw it. They got some damn good receivers. Yeah, I, I don't get that criticism at all. Oh, I would it, kill for this wide receiver. <laughs> well, Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. And, and part of it, too, let's add, you know, Mario Williams got a little dinged up. Mike Woods got dinged up. I think mm -hmm. he missed two or three games. But anyway, I, I think you're going down the right path. They put Bill Beanbow is the offensive line coach. Great dude. Um, I think he's now the second longest senior assistant coach on the staff. It's irrelevant, but he might be, you know, up there with the best offensive line coaches in college football. I'm a homer. He's the best in my book. He puts a lot on his center, right? And you just graduated one of the greatest centers in Oklahoma football history to the NFL. The problem is there wasn't anyone that had really stood out to replace Creed Humphrey. You know, um, Andrew Rain is the guy who I'm sure you'll see when you studied film that was there a lot. And, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question because I think your point is dead on. I don't know. You know, they thought Chris Murray, the transfer in from UCLA, was going to be the guy that they could shift at center and he would be able to identify everything. Yeah, right? just never I could really have, materialized. I could have tell, told you from watching his his <laughs> film at UCLA that that dude is not going to work out. I mean, he's the, you know, I graded out all, all uh, seven right. of the dudes that we saw. Um, it, it, you know, he sticks out like a, well, the, the two dudes who stick out like a sore thumb in terms of their error rates being way worse than everybody else are the two Pac-12 transfers, you know, big surprise, right? Like, Pac-12 wine play is just terrible. <laughs> I gotta, like, no, I gotta say, I, like, I chart, I, you know, I, I maintain, you know, roster databases and I chart sure. all the Pac-12 teams, like, it's the big, and then, you know, when Oregon has big out-of-conference games, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma this year, but, you know, in previous years, you know, I go all over the country, I watch SCT teams and ACC teams and, you know, etc. And like the biggest thing that stands out is this Pac-12 offensive line play is just terrible, um, and it affects every aspect of football. And I, you know, we, we've been we've we've gone a long way away from my original question. Which no, no, no. What's up 
with right. Lincoln Riley, but you've gone the, down the offensive line route. And I got to say, I agree with you. And I agree with the spirit of your answer, which is that like poor offensive line play affects every aspect of yep. football, even the defense. Um, and, and I totally agree. I, I think, uh, I, I think the problem has been, well, I think the, 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 the deal is that, uh, Oklahoma's tackles, uh, Anton Harris and Tyrese Robinson and the, the switch guy, Eric Swenson yep. grayed out way, way, way better than their interior guard play. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Raymond Hayes, the left guard out aren't bad, but like, there's still problems there. I think Chris Murray, um, is a disaster. Um, <laughs> and I think that Robert Congle who came in and played the last game and a half, cause I think Ray is injured, yeah, um, is, is, is even worse, you know, and, 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 you know, it's a very complex run scheme. Most of the there run success that they were getting was because Kennedy Brooks is an amazing running back and not because, and because I think that the run scheme is actually really interesting and fun to watch. Like I definitely enjoyed watching the film, but like, it's not because those guys are, are absolutely killing it, you know, in the run blocking game. Bingo. You know? And so to me, everything, everything on this offense Every, quarterback is is the fun, sexy. Let the guys on ESPN yell and scream about the quarterback. Let the people on on Fox yell. It starts with the offensive line, and specifically at Oklahoma, it starts with the center. And from you know, I'll just go with the guys that I, from Ben Hayburn to Gabe Eichard to Eric Wren to Ty Darlington to Jonathan Alvarez to Creed Humphrey. These dudes were ballers and bill beanbow's offensive line is you got to learn it all right you just don't sit in a tackle room you got to learn it all and i think they struggled with some of the concepts andrew ray maybe specifically because he had never played center right he was trying to learn this was the first year and he didn't start at center until after spring so you're absolutely 100 right they're better to me they're more explosive when they have four receivers on the field but i think and this you you probably saw this more than i did I think defenses, when Spencer was in there, realized we can get to him. Yeah. Right. And maybe they were a little bit smarter when Caleb, but they would confuse the Andrew Rames or the Robert Conjols of the world with different blitz looks and when they would bring guys. And, you know, you've got some good defensive coordinators now in this league that took advantage of that. And I think it made it problematic because they just were they better at pass pro than they were running the, the, the football? Absolutely. But I just think they struggled to protect the quarterback whenever teams would bring pressure. And yeah. so again, yeah, I it's think probably not right. a, it's probably not a coincidence that, you know, the two games that they lost were the best two defensive lines that they played. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You know, that, that was the thing that I just, you know, I noticed more than anything else was that, you know, Caleb Williams just going down a lot against Baylor and Oklahoma state. Um, so base, can I extrapolate then from your answer that because the offensive line is not going to change that we're not going to see, you know, any, you know, personnel or schematic differences because no. That's the fundamental limiting factor. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. so. But and I also don't think you will because a it's impossible. You know, <laughs> Lincoln Riley left on a Sunday. Mm. Team was gone, right? And they were off. You know, after the game was over, they weren't going to the Big Twelve Championship game. They'd been given a break. Uh, Bob Stoops takes over as the interim coach almost immediately. We go, you know, a week. Brent Venables is named the head coach essentially on Sunday mm -hmm. we have the celebration that following Monday so that's what basically eight days and then on that ninth day you know we do a coach's show with Bob Stoops and I'm sitting up there and we, we, we talk about it and he's like well we've had one practice and I'm like oh 
Got one practice. <laughs> so you realize that, okay, yeah, not a lot is going to change, not just because of kind of where their limitations have been this year, but even if they wanted to throw something in there and change anything, they just don't have the time, right? And yeah. you, you've got injuries still. You mentioned Andrew Rame's been dinged up on the offensive line. You know, so far the guys that you might worry about on offense opting out, it seems like they're going through all the bull preps and the Mike Woods and the Marquise Hayes and – those those names who may have a chance to play at the next level, uh, may is the key word. So uh, mm-hmm. offensively, they haven't had the opt outs like they have defensively. But yeah, they, they just haven't had the time. Uh, I think yeah. to shift things up the way they. And I will add one thing to the the timeline there, which is uh-huh. uh, Bob Stoops coming in to the Alamo Bowl presser with then head Cristobal, uh, you know, head coach. Cristobal and throw in some excellent shade that truly made me laugh at the time. We're at the end of the interview because uh, Cristobal had it. So no uh, uh, Pac-12 media questions were coming his way. It was right. just the uh, the guy uh, running the whole event, you know, and at the very end, Stoops goes like, oh, uh, by the way, good luck on the recruiting trail. <laughs> he says that to all, when all this was up in the air and I got I had to kind of clap my hands for those. That's pretty great there. Yeah, he's a trip, man. He's a trip. He's a trip. And you know, I'll, just to add that, not to carry away, it's been really fun. Um, you know, hey, Linda, not to get away from the film conversation because I'm I'm digging this conversation with you. You're you're very smart. You understand what you're seeing. Uh and it's I, much and I enjoy to distract that. the guest. From right, the questions. Right, right. right. No, I love it. I love it. Um, but this Bob Stoops that we've seen over the last, let's see, Lincoln left in seven, or Lincoln took over in 17. Bob left. 17, 18, 19, 20. So he's back after five years away. It's a different person. I don't know how to describe it or how to explain it. It's a different person. Um, and I, he he's enjoying everything. He's laughing. He's cutting jokes. I was, I was talking about that that coaches show that we did together and I didn't read a read at the start of it. I'm like, Oh coach, hold on. I, I forgot to read here real quick. He's like, well, you better make sure you're paying the bills. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, who are you? Who is this person <laughs> that is, is, is gigging guys at press conferences. And, and so it's been really fun to watch Bob Stoops. I think thoroughly enjoy this process. And now I think everyone feels like that the program is in good hands with Brent Venables. I mean, God bless anybody who can retire at 53. Right. You know, like I'd be pretty loose on the radio too. Like, uh, you know, I made my nut. Now everything I do is for giggles. Like, yeah. And he's, he's coaching, he's coaching a bowl game that, you know, like he ain't getting fired for yeah, it. He no, ain't getting no, hired for I mean, the real nope. trap is going to be avoiding the Barry Alvarez thing where you retire, but you don't really retire. You know, right. like, I'd be worried that, you know, it's like I'm coming back for one last score. Like, uh-oh, Bob, you know, like, don't get too hooked on this. Remember, <laughs> right. All of a sudden the addiction, you know, like, the, the coaching addiction kicks back in. And the next thing yeah, you know, right. he's yeah. at like a. Uh, Oh gosh, Florida State next year or something. Yeah. He's like, what just or, happened here? <laughs> or he's like, well, I'm venerated in Norman. Maybe I'll hang around and and, and give some advice to you know the new kid and right. And Bowles is be like, how do I tell this dude to f off? Like, uh, <laughs> like I, I can't even get his kid out of this program. Uh, anyway, uh, let's finish up on the offensive line. Sure. Uh, like I said, um, it looked like Andrew Rame, the center, um, took some sort of injury midway through the Iowa State game, and then there was sort of some, you know, maybe he'll be back for the the, the Bedlam game, uh, but, you know, we didn't see him at all. We were seeing Robert Conjol snap the ball, which, like I said, he, that's the dude who grades out the worst on my tally sheet. Uh, I'd be a little worried if Rame weren't back. Um, do you think he's going to be? 
he needs to be. You know, I, I, I think I think this time during bowl season is so integral to the development of young players. And you and I just hit it a little bit earlier, uh, Day. He he had not played center at any point in his career. He had been a, a left-right tackle in high school, most dominant player on his team, won a state championship at Broken Arrow, where they had never won a state championship in Oklahoma High School football, or at least it had been a long time. Oh, he's a local boy? Yeah, he's a Broken oh, Arrow Oklahoma I didn't kid. know that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's an Oklahoma kid. And so he comes here, and you know he's being talked about last year in the mix to play guard. I mean, that's how impressive he was early on. Never got on the field, redshirted. And then after spring, I think it became apparent, we got to do something at center. And so right, or maybe it was right before spring, he made that shift. So uh, again, that's, that, this is a lot on the center position, but if you study and you see it, there is a lot put on the center position. They've got to oh, be definitely. about the smartest guy on the field for for still saying Lincoln Riley, and then in this case, the Bill Beanbow run offensive line. So um, long answer to a short, good question. I hope he's back. Um, he was he was in a boot. You know, he wasn't even dressed at the OU-OSU game, at the Bedlam game. And when he got hurt against Oklahoma State, it didn't look good. So I would say I would say 50-50. I, I'm leaving to go down there on Tuesday. Um, I, I, I haven't, you know, we just sent our crew down there on Christmas Eve, and they're having, I think, their first workout, you know, taking place probably as we're taping this. So um, I know he's on the trip. So I guess that's one good sign, but I just, I don't know if he's going to be back to where he needs to be to play. And if that's the case, you'll get yourself a heavy dose of the Arizona yeah. transfer Robert Conjol at center come Wednesday. Yeah. I, you know, for anybody who's, who's, you know, thinking this is real deep in the weeds, I honestly think this is maybe the number one question, um, you know, other than the non-football stuff, you know, this, the psychological motivation, right. you know, that's sort of, I this is, I mean, it's a, it is more than a seven point swing in error rate between Raym and Conjol. And like wow. y- y- you've been, you know, wrapping Raym's shins uh, a little more than I would. He grades out fairly well on my tally sheet, but like Conjol is, it's, it's an adventure when he's snapping the ball. Um, and, and like, as you say, the center is absolutely vital, you know, really to any offense, definitely to this one. Um, and, and like, yeah, I really think there's a bit, you know, that's probably a seven point swing right there. Um, uh, you know, I think there's at least one drive that Conjol would kill that Rain would sustain. Um, uh, and then the other question that I have about the offensive line is it, we saw sort of a three man rotation that I never really understood why they were doing it. You know, where Swenson would come in, including at the very end of the season. Was that right. injury based or what, what was the deal there? I think it was a little bit of everything. Um, a- a- Anton Harrison. So we, on our on our radio, I'm, I'm on the sidelines for the radio broadcast. And on our radio crew, we have our defensive guy, Teddy Lehman, who won the Butkiss and Bidneric Award. He's in the booth with their play-by-play guy. And I'm on the field with Gabe Eichert, who was um, an all-world center, won the Warful Trophy, had a, had a nice run in the NFL. And, you know, that was something where he would always be by that offensive line huddle because he was part of Bill Beanbow's first um, class whenever he came in as the offensive line coach. And there was always maybe a sense of frustration with Anton Harrison because, again, 
the dude has all the talent in the world. I mean, all the talent in the world. It's just there's a lot of things he's still learning, right? Last year he started his first game as a true freshman. And, you know, as you mentioned, there was rotations. There'd be frustrations with him. Now, Tyrese Robinson on that right tackle spot, if you saw him leave the game, it was mostly injury, right? Mm -hmm. Though he did have a couple games this year whenever – they might pull him and give Wanya Morris an opportunity, though I'm sure, as you noticed, his little day, we didn't end up seeing as, as much Wanya Morris as we thought we would when he transferred in. Yeah, he's really only playing in garbage time. Exactly, exactly. So um, it, I, I would say it's a mix, right? There would be some games where there might be some frustration with Anton Harrison and certain responsibilities, and then Eric Swinson would jump in. Uh, maybe there were frustrations with Chris Robinson on the interior, and – Anton here, or excuse me, um, Eric Swinson would jump in. You're right. It was about a seven-man rotation. It was, if it wasn't Anton Harrison at left tackle, Marquis Hayes at left guard, Chris Murray at right guard, and Tyrese Robinson at, at right tackle with Andrew Raymond center. It would be Conjol at center, and that was usually injury or I don't any other issue that might arise. It would uh, have to be injury with Raymond. Right. <laughs> and and then, and like I said, Sw Swinson would be a guy that would check in. And either, he's that swing guy, like he had a left tackle or guard. It's wild because – you know, that's I've got my sheet right here. I'm going to walk over to it. It's wild because there's so much possibility, I think, with some of the guys on this offensive line, right? They they have some big body dudes like Bray Walker, 6'6", 342, and he's getting bigger. You know, these guys, you think that they have an opportunity to go out there and do something. You have some Clint Anderson is a guy that they recruited um, that's talked about quite a bit. And it's just it's it, a Savion Bird is another guy. And that's really deep in the depth chart weeds. But, you know, the bottom line here more than anything else is they, they've got dudes. They've got bodies. It's not, it's not like they haven't recruited the offensive line like crazy. They're just still – some of these guys need to develop a little bit more. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, you're right. That's your seven-man rotation. And usually on the left side, it's, it's not injury. Um, it's more of a performance-based thing. Yeah, which is really interesting because Harrison uh, grades out much better for me than Robinson does. Um, like, yep. uh, if, if yeah, I, I think that you're probably right. Uh, I, I'm I'm not saying that you're not. It's just if I were in charge of the rotation and I were the one saying, um, you know, when does Swenson need to go in because one of our tackles is not playing up the snuff, it would be Robinson who would be getting replaced, not Harrison. Um, but uh, at any rate, you're right. Uh, you know that it seems to not be that there's a lingering injury issue. It seems to just be, you know, well, we got another offensive tackle. Let's throw him in. Um, and, and we're looking like with the possible exception of rain, you know, still being injured that those are the seven guys who are yeah. going to play. And I also think just to, you know, wrap up on the offensive line, um, the, you know, what you just said about this being a serious, you know, offensive line group, like that's the thing. You know, for any Oregon fans who are listening, who are thinking like, oh, Lincoln Riley comes off of the Mike Leach tree and therefore, you know, his offensive linemen are probably going to look the same. No, not true at all. The the thing that's really fascinating about Oklahoma is that, well, you know, if you study Mike Leach's career, the dude, you know, he's coaching in Lubbock and he's coaching in Pullman um, and he's just not getting blue chip offensive linemen to those places. And the way that he dealt with that is actually kind of brilliant is like, well, I'm going to get dudes who can only pass block uh, and they're not highly rated because they can't both pass block and run block. You have to, I mean, those dudes are unicorns dudes who are really big and you know, who can, who can move uh, you know, to do it all for an offensive line. So I'm going to get, you know, uh, I'm just always going to throw the ball and I'm going to get offensive linemen who are rated as like low three stars because they can't run block, but because I never run, I don't care. Uh, you know, they're four stars to me. Um, 
and you know it, it's not that you know wazoo or, or texas tech you know under him never ran but it was you know it was a check into thing when the, when the defense you know lightened the box you know it wasn't you know planned part of the thing and and lincoln riley and you know, again not to get too shakespearean about it and sort of like you know i'm my own man but also i'm at oklahoma i can recruit serious offensive linemen this is a blue blood program we're not just going to recruit battleships on the offensive line who can only pass block we're going to recruit serious offensive linemen who can do it all and like that's what i'm seeing when i'm watching oklahoma play is like you know these aren't these aren't battleships who are who are checking into a run game as a surprise the way that Mike Leach would do at Wazoo. These are, you know, no, it's a run first offense because they truly believe the offensive line is, you know, are run blockers who are going to open up and, and, and it's a complex one too. Like it's a power uh, blocking team. You're right towards the end of the year. They were mixing in a lot more zone, but you know, most of the year it's like, you know, that's what they start out drives with is a couple of power blocked runs um, because like, yeah, these are heavy hitting offensive linemen. You know, I got some gripes with a couple of them, but like, I, I think it's, I mean, if this, I guess I'll put it this way. If this lane were magically transported to the pack 12, it would be, you know, number one or number two offensive line, in the conference, like by oh, yeah. wide margin. And we've just spent all this time talking about whether the offensive line is the limitation in the team, you know? Uh, well, can I just, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and, and real quick, just you were talking about how you would take Tyrese Robinson off the field before Anton Harrison. That There is the Bill Beanbow philosophy. Tyrese Robinson is his vet. He knows it. He's yeah. been in this system for, what, five years now. So I, I think that some would look at it and say, you're right, but, boy, Anton Harrison's, Anton Harrison's mistakes usually are more mental, right? And while you might get those physical mistakes from – Tyrese Robinson, you don't get those from Anton. But you're, you're right. They've recruited some tanks on this offensive line. The problem has been having that confidence in them to use them, right, and and getting them where Bill Beanbow wants them and they need to be. Because you look at Oklahoma, like when you watch this game and you see some of the dudes that are standing over there wearing 70, 73, 50s offensive line, you're like, holy smokes, get that guy on the field. But for some reason, it's just – they can't, and you're 100% right. You know, they've been able to recruit those guys. That's why I'm so curious not to get off the track here, to see how things go for Lincoln at USC if he's still recruiting that same caliber of offensive lineman. Yeah, I know. I, I know earlier I said, like, maybe this was a wasted effort. I don't think yeah. it was. And and even if it was, you know, was for this game, this the Alamo Bowl coming up on Wednesday, like, hey, it's not like Oregon's never going to play, you know, Lincoln Riley and, and Alex Grinch, right? Like right, getting some right. background data on how those dudes play um, or how those dudes, you know, put their dudes out to play like is you know pretty valuable and yeah you you know what he's walking into at usc is a disaster area on the lines um it's i mean it's the greatest failing of clay helton uh you know in terms of recruiting and development it's just like their offensive line has been terrible he's gone through like five different offensive line coaches it's boy uh and you know right. and the biggest criticism that i've got for oklahoma is like really christofani murray's the best you could find to play right guard like <laughs> you know uh anyway let's um you know i don't want to spend too much time on the quarterbacks because you know it's i've been hashed out in the national media so much and right. i think fairly accurately and i think your recap to start the show off um was pretty accurate too the thing that's interesting uh you know in terms of charting them is that rattler is actually 
a slightly more efficient quarterback, like in terms of a per play efficiency basis, like he's above water. He's about 51%, you know, got enough yards to, to move the, you know, stay ahead of the chains. And, uh, and Williams is actually a little bit underwater. He's only about 46%. Uh, but the difference is like the type of passes that they're attempting, you know, like it's, it's a, you know, they're, you know, I exclude garbage time and, you know, the game against the FCS team and, you know, and I recategorize certain plays, uh, you know, and, and so like the number that I'm about to give may sound a little off to you, but it's, it, I think it's a truer number. Uh, Kayla Williams is averaging, you know, 9.18 yards per attempt and uh, Spencer Rattler was 7.66, you know, more than a yard and a half difference, you know, it's cause he's pushing the ball way downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and the difference in explosive play rate is is uh, more than an eight point jump. You know, it's eighteen uh, versus ten. Uh, you know that they're getting fifteen plus yard plays. You know, for Williams versus Rattler, it's just like, you know, that's you know that's really the staggering difference. Is the Rattler was taking you know a lot of fairly safe passes, and Williams is just like, nah, let it fly. You know what I mean? Does that match up with your observations? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's that was the that was the biggest complaint that people had with Spencer Rattler is, and I don't know if this was a situation where, I don't know if this was a situation where Spencer was coached not to take those chances because it sure didn't seem that way when Caleb Williams came in the game. Yeah, it's like um, the first throw he threw, you know, comes in against Texas, yeah. just like, ah, oh, f- screw it. <laughs> you know, throw yeah. 70 yard pass. Mar- like- Marvin Mims down there somewhere. Um, yeah. So I, it, it was, and, and I don't know, you know, some said, well, maybe it's a situation where he doesn't have a f- faith in certain receivers. But again, like you said, why wouldn't you if you're a Spencer Rattler? So, and, and maybe it was the second play of the season. He got picked off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that, that's, you know, again, I'll just short and sweet because you hit it on the head. That was the big issue this year is you had a guy in Spencer Rattler who, you know, was seen as a dude that wasn't afraid to take chances most of last year that all of a sudden to start this season and he throws a great deep ball, but he just wasn't throwing it. You know, I think off the top of my head, I can only think of against quality competition, maybe two, three bombs that Spencer even really threw. So it was just he was really much taking what was there. Uh, and when he would take those chances, it was very calculated. Uh, yeah, and you're totally right. I mean, he's only got one pass, you know, over 25 yards, you know, in the, in the or two, sorry. Um, wow. the, the, oh no, I'm miscounting this. No, he has a couple. Well, well, he air, might have more. There's, there's difference between air yards. He could, he could a couple of screen passes that went big. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like air yards, yeah, he's only pushing the ball down the field, you know, pretty rarely. Uh, whereas Williams really flings it. And any other difference between the two, I don't even know about like physically, but it just like the way that they were being used is the in mm-hmm. the designed run games, like you know, uh, Rattler, uh, you know, he really only had you know that I charted in any way nine designed runs, and most of them were like quarterback sneaks. Whereas Caleb Williams is like he's the best running back on the team, you know, like he's averaging 11 yards per carry on designed runs. I'm not even talking about quarterback scrambles because, you know, that one of the great blessings of doing film studies that can differentiate those two. Um, And he's a great scrambler too. I'm not trying to take anything away. I'm just saying that like the, this, this offense, which you were saying is probably not going to change for the bowl game. Like, yeah, Caleb Williams is a big part of the run game. Um, And and he's really good at it too. Uh, You know, I I sort of expect to see that again in the Alamo bowl. Don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that was the thing. Uh, And I think this goes back to something you and I talked about earlier. And that is offensive line play. Mm -hmm. 
because Caleb Williams has, and I'm not, listen, I'm not making this comparison, so I want to be very clear here, but, you know, Caleb kind of has that Kyler Murray to him, to where he can make a first rusher miss. And Oklahoma struggled with that throughout a majority of the season. I think anyone who has watched him or has been a part of that team would tell you that. Um, Yeah, Caleb's a good runner, man. He is, he's solid. And that's what, to me, has made him the choice. He, you know, he's got a lot to work on in the passing game, as you noticed, but man, he can flat out run. And Oklahoma, you know, they, it was, it's a different type of run, right? With Jalen Hurts, it was more of a power running game. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts wasn't going to run away from you. With you know Kyler Murray, it was a running back back there. With Baker Mayfield, it was more of he can create and elude things. Well, Caleb Williams is kind of a combination of all of them. And I know that sounds crazy. He can run away from you. He can run over you. You know, unless there's three guys that collapse on him, like it seemed to most of the Oklahoma State game, he's usually mm-hmm. able to get away from him. So yeah, yeah, no, no, he's. Yeah. He's the second running no, or third running back, depending on the formation on the field. No, honestly, the, you know, you know which quarterback that I have observed that he reminds me the most of is Marks Mariota. Um, yeah, yeah. In that, like, he is, you know, he is a serious run that undesigned runs. It's not just, you know, the zone read stuff either. Like, there's a lot of power blocked, you know, runs, you know, as well, where it's, where it's designed quarterback run the, sure. the whole way. Um, and it's because he's fast and he makes dude miss. Um I do. I do think there are. I mean, I'm glad if Oregon has to play Caleb Williams, I'm glad they're getting him now because, like, as as much fun as he is to watch, like, I definitely notice freshman mistakes. You know, I, I'm not trying to knock the guy too much here, but like, you know, he misses passes. He sure. he doesn't see certain guys. He locks on. You know, it's the freshman stuff. It's it's no big deal. I'm sure he'll grow out of it. Like, I really think this guy's a you know next year you know if this works out with levy like i definitely think he's going to be in new york um uh but like yeah there's freshman mistakes in his game would you agree oh absolutely um and if if you ever wanted to have a bazillion hits on your podcast just take what hithliday just said about if this works with caleb and levy he'll end up in new york next year and sooner fans are going to absolutely and totally and completely eat that up, Adam. I'm just saying, not here to try to tell you guys how to do your job, but that's a good <laughs> observation on your part. Um, <laughs> yeah, his here's the thing is the freshman mistakes that he made. Go did you watch the Baylor game? Of course. Okay. If you go back, there's a game-changing play in that game where he throws an interception. Yep. And he 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 gives a play fake and nobody is there. Well, he forgot to motion a guy into the backfield. Yep. That's something that Hithliday is going to notice and probably 99.9% of people aren't. But that's a freshman mistake that costs you a game, yeah. right? At least costs you a turnover in that case. So there, it's there, there's little things and then there's big things, right? You know, there's holding the ball too long in a couple of instances. He definitely holds the ball too long. It's my number one criticism of the guy is like he's waiting for the perfect pass to get open instead of trusting the dude and the structure of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. I honestly and truly feel, and I wrote a, a piece on Caleb Williams for one of our local magazines, and this kind of leads to what you were just saying or, or backs up what you were just saying. He absolutely positively thinks he can make every play. Yep. And I, again, that's great. 
but it's something that you'll continue to get coached up is, hey, it's okay to throw this one away. And actually, on that play where he motioned the guy or didn't motion the guy in and threw a pick, he was trying to throw it away. He just didn't do a good enough job. So, yeah, 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 yeah man. I And I think that's part of the reason why there wasn't a true quarterback competition whenever the season started because I think Lincoln Riley realized, okay, I've got a guy in Spencer Rattler that knows my offense – that you know had a great season last year. That seems to be getting better. No need to have this being a competitive situation. But now you know they're you're in a situation where uh, he's he's learned under fire quite a bit. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't want to you know reopen wounds or anything. But uh, well, maybe that's exactly what I'm going to do. Like I honestly think if they finished the season with Rattler, that Rattler would have been fine. Like you know, I think he probably takes care of the ball a little well, uh, you know, fairly well. I think he you know, he's a, you know, a little more conservative. And if you could get him on the same page with his receivers and like trust him a bit more. So we push the ball down the field, which sort of, you know, he's a young quarterback. Like, you know, I think probably that confidence would have grown by the end of the year. Like, I don't know, man, I'm not saying that Spencer Rattler beats Baylor and Oklahoma state and changes the course of the season or anything. But like, I am saying that the, like, I think that if Caleb Williams you know, weren't at Oklahoma and they were forced to stick with Rattler. Like, I don't think this would have been like a seven win team. You know what I mean? I, I, I hear you guys. I hear you. <laughs> what a great interview. Wow. Some really good stuff. That's right. This is Adam Chameo from the future. Uh, Chris Plank had to uh, leave abruptly to do his wonderful show. Uh, the sooner on the sooner radio network. Um, once again, he was just a wonderful guest, as you could hear. Um, Chris Plank at the Plank Show. Uh, there is also a Soonersports.com slash podcast. Really great stuff. And actually, I do believe if all goes according to plan, Chris was even down to come back on the show. and show he, So we should have a uh, last-minute edition, a second half, if you will, a part two uh, to be continued for the rest of this Alamo Bowl preview. Once again, just want to thank, uh, well, first of all, Day of Addicted to Quack, at H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one. want to thank Chris Plank at The Plank Show, P-L-A-N-K. Uh, really great stuff. And then, hey, while you're on your computer, why don't you go to Twitter, at Quack12Podcast, or you can go to um, Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, leave us a comment. That really, really helps us out. And uh, keep your eyes on the Quack12 feed, because there should be another episode coming up. Um, also, Quack Quack, we love you. Go Ducks. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's and all. And um, uh, let's win a natty next year.